All right, John. 6 p.m. on a Monday night here recording. I'm still a little sick. It's 6.11, buddy. I think the sickness is getting to you. Okay, John, listen. You don't ever say, like, the exact time. That makes you sound like a weirdo. You don't say, like, oh, it's 6.13, 30 seconds in the afternoon. You say it's about 6 p.m., you know. Anyways, you know, it's about 6 p.m. on a Monday night, John. I'm still kind of sick. Um... But I'm on the back end of it, you know. Um, we apologize for not going live on uh, Friday last or last Friday night, excuse me. Um, you know, it would have been really great to have you know Laney and Haley on have do some trivia with them. I think it would have been fun. But I woke up on Friday and I couldn't talk at all, so um, I had a sore throat the night before. I kind of talked a lot, so I woke up and I couldn't. I could barely get any words out. So unfortunately, we couldn't do a show. But we're pumping. We still got to pump that content out, John. Um, especially with a crazy weekend of college football, um, you know, some cra- some good stuff that happened, at least for one of the non-rev sports in K-State. And um, I thought it would be fun to uh, rank the Big 12 quarterbacks because I think it's a really interesting conversation. There's definitely some – there's definitely – I think there's four tiers of quarterbacks. It's just how you order them that could create some controversy. Um, I'm definitely not – I'm not final on my decisions. Hopefully we have some disagreement, and I think we will. Um, before we get into that, um, make sure you're following us on Twitter at shakenblake 785 Link is in the description. As always, we're going live on Friday night, uh, live on Wildcat 919 at 6 p.m. this week. So make sure to tune into that. All right, let's start off by uh, recapping what happened in the Big 12 this weekend. Um, Got to start with a game that happened on Thursday night. We obviously would have talked about it on Friday, but didn't get to it. Baylor, West Virginia. Um, oh, man. I, I mean, Baylor was only favored by three points this game. Um, Baylor, this was kind of going to be a bounce back game for him to kind of, you know, show that they're still the Baylor that maybe some people thought they'd be, but they're not. So they fall to West Virginia, 43, 40. Uh, that's, that's tough. I mean, really disappointing season so far for Baylor. I mean, Morgantown just continues to be a hell, a hellish atmosphere for Baylor. They, they're 0 and 6 all time at Milan Puskar Stadium in Morgantown. Um, Baylor's defense looked possibly the worst I've seen in the last two seasons. They struggled to make tackles. They allowed West Virginia to run all over them. I mean, they're, what was it, the backup running back, Tony Mathis? Uh, he crushed the defense. What was it? He went 163 yards, two touchdowns, and he had, and he had, had an average of 7.4 yards of carry. Uh, I mean, the defensive line struggled to get, uh, get consistent pressure off of JT Daniels. West Virginia's receivers somehow, in some way, made some great receptions because, uh, I mean, I, I've always criticized West Virginia on its on their wide receiving corps. Uh, they were they were absolutely terrible to begin begin the season. Uh, more specific, let alone the Pittsburgh game. Um, and then on the other side, West Virginia, they just took a lot of advantages on Baylor's mistake that that directly led to points. I mean. But Blake Shapin fumble in the backfield, uh, resulting in a long West Virginia scoop and score. Um, you also got the missed PAT, resulting in a two-point conversion for West Virginia. I mean, that's nine points directly off of turnovers. Plus the last points, Baylor must would have likely had scored on the other two promising drives late in the game. I mean, it was there for Baylor, but they just literally handed it to West Virginia. It was just not a good look for Baylor. I mean, you almost have 600 yards of offense and you lose a game, John. That's, I mean, that's just pretty sad. To be fair, four turnovers in a game, not going to win you a lot of games. 
Um, just a really disappointing performance from Baylor. Um, I mean, I know, you know, at uh, KSU fan pretty kind of predicted that Baylor would fall off and he was right. I mean, I, I just, I think personally for me, John, you see Blake Shapin and Dave Aranda, you know, what Blake Shapin did last year and how great of a coach Dave Aranda is, um, you know, you just had, you kind of had to have confidence in Baylor, but they're definitely not the team they were last year. Um, you know, probably looking like six, seven wins. And really on top of that, very on top of that, they're not, they don't have the best offensive line and the defensive line that many people were expecting for, for Baylor to have compared to the rest of the uh, rest of the big 12 and some of the other teams across the country. So uh, disappointing year for Baylor right now. Uh, you, you lose to BYU early on in the season. That loss is not looking any better. Uh, I mean, well, the Oklahoma State loss, uh, wouldn't shut too much about that one. Oklahoma State, I mean, we'll, we'll get to them when we get to them. But yeah, uh, and then just going to Morgantown, a place where you haven't beaten West Virginia in forever. I mean, it, l- listen, this is probably the year in which if you were never, if you were not going to win in Morgantown, when are you? And we got our answer. It's it's going to still be a while for Baylor to make finally get a statement win in Morgantown, man. It's just it's just crazy. I mean, you know, as a K-State fan, we had that five five year stretch where we dominated West Virginia. Um, it looked like we were not going to lose, and then West Virginia wins five straight. I mean, it's just completely insane. No matter how good Baylor is or no matter how bad West Virginia is, I mean, they're just always able to be Baylor and, and be always able to be Baylor at home. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it just it turned out to be a game between two kind of, you know, just bottom feeders in the Big 12, actually. Um, let's go ahead and move on to KU, Oklahoma. Um, my God, what a game. Um <laughs> I mean, we expected it to be a shootout. I don't know who set the over-under for this game at 66 and a half. I mean, that's like each team scoring, you know, 33 points. Like, that's mm-hmm. easy money. I mean, I'm taking that every day of the week. Uh, 52 to 42, OU takes it over the Jayhawks. Um, started out super hot for both teams. Um, KU's offense started to slow down. Um, OU's offense did not. Um, KU's defense is just pathetic. I mean, John, oh I mean, the, the prime example of this is in the first half when Venables just milk and clock for some reason in a two minute drill. And he's got like 40 seconds left and it doesn't matter. Like their Eric Gray just pops off for a huge run play. They mean, even one of them gets called back for holding. He just does it again. Anyway, they should have scored a touchdown there. I don't know why they ran some like goal line play twice when they're just, they were winning you know, they were beating KU with their speed, but anyway, I mean, KU's def- the, the takeaways from this is, you know, both the, both these teams aren't great. KU's defense is terrible. Uh, and Oklahoma is a lot better with Dylan Gabriel, at quarterback Sh- shockingly. I mean, without Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma is nothing like they, they could be the worst team in the big 12. If it, if Dylan Gabriel was out for a longer period of time, um, I mean, this was a complete track meet, all offense, no defense, of course. I mean, there was a stretch in the game where Oklahoma forced, I believe, four four straight stops uh, from the end of the first to midway through the second quarter. Um, they had some bad moments in the game, but overall, uh, the defense played a little bit better than they have in, in, in the past. They made just enough plays to get off the field. They held Kit and a little more, more of a step that I saw. They held KU to uh, just 5 of 11 on third down. 
So I think maybe when it comes to third down conversions, KU would really love to have Jalen Daniels back in there um, because it, they always manage to, to um, find ways to convert well uh, into third down. I believe they were converting at 55.1%, which was good for fourth in the nation. Uh, okay, I take that back. That was actually really good. <laughs> um, so I'll say while Oklahoma Stephens was still better in some spurts, he still gave up 42 points and 430 yards on offense um, to Kansas, in which not, nothing against Kansas, nothing against Oklahoma at this point, considering how lethal Kansas' offense is, whether it's under, under Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean. Now you look at it from a Kansas perspective. Oh, my gosh. That defense has more holes than Swiss cheese. Oh, my uh, God. And you seven, get Adam Potter back. I mean, you give you give up seven hundred plus yards to to Oklahoma. Uh, unacceptable. I mean, you just let Eric Gray run all over you. Um, I mean, he was wanting to do whatever he wanted against KU in the in their um, secondaries, but defensive line couldn't make any tackles. Uh, it was just it was just ugly to watch. And hopefully, hopefully, Kobe Bryant. Uh, um, is able to recover as well. That looked like a pretty bru- uh, gruesome injury um, outside of that. But, oh, also, I- I'll touch on this as well. KU and Oklahoma are pretty high when it comes to their, med- when it comes to their medical schools, but you can't tell me they couldn't do anything else than to, than to carry him off uh, to, the go- to the golf cart. Hell, can you not get the go-kart to get golf cart to come a little bit closer or anything like that? Uh, I mean, that's just – just absolutely stupid, but uh, um, back to the game, though. Uh, just really a disappointing result for Kansas, mostly. I really thought KU could have had a little more of a fight, especially defensively, but uh, that, that it just comes to prove that Kansas's defense completely fraudulent. They give up – I mean, they, they, they give up – what was it, like 28 points to Duke uh, – a lot of points to West Virginia. Yeah, 42 uh, to West Virginia. And, and and yes, you give up nine points to Iowa State or, or nine or ten, something like that. That's great. But Iowa State's offense is completely dog dog crap. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not that's no longer looking great. Uh, I mean, overall, just a little bit of a disappointment from KU over the past two weeks. And but I mean again. You dealt with TCU. That was just the tip of the iceberg. You had to go through Oklahoma, who's historically run the Big 12 and is pretty dang good in Norman, except when they're playing K-State. And now it, it, can, it continues to get lump difficult game after game after game. You play at Baylor. You host Oklahoma State. Uh, I believe you're at Texas uh, Tech next. Yeah. I mean, you then you host Texas. Well, Texas is an easy win. Uh, <laughs> and then you will get the uh, road game at K-State. That's a guaranteed loss. I'm calling guaranteed. it right now. Guaranteed. Yep. yep guaranteed. Um, but <laughs> so but that's pretty much my, my overall take on this. Oklahoma, welcome back to the living. Uh, your fans need it because if y'all lost to Kansas, uh, oh, my gosh. The Sooner fans on what just uh, they they get out get out the bleach and and everything after after a loss to Kansas, which <laughs> yeah. I would do. I would. Yeah, too. yeah. I mean, congrats on the win, Oklahoma. Um, you know, I think the Texas Bowl is really good. They're going to save a spot for you. Um, I've heard it's great cool. down there. So you get a, you get a put. 
that's a little too high. I'm a little gracious. Um, they got they got some good stuff over up at Liberty Bowl as well. I've heard their stadium is great. I've heard that it's a really so, high. <laughs> you guys should take a visit to Memphis sometime. The, the Liberty Bowl, the eighth wonder of the world <laughs> over here. I mean, the the facilities are top notch. The press <laughs> boxes are fantastic. Just ask our good old buddy John Kurtz. Yep. He had a thrill over there. <laughs> uh oh man but yeah uh, if Memphis, oklahoma goes to the liberty bowl oh uh, that would be so great it's or, it's it's beale street and that's pretty much it that's the only good significance about memphis realistically hey i mean if ku can get a couple of wins maybe they'll go to the liberty bowl i mean that would be great i mean but the, to be fair not much they'll probably be kind of used to it um you know anyway i mean uh, but <laughs> let, let's not forget now but the last time ku started five and oh they lost seven straight yeah, already lost two straight, and they're still having to deal with a tough slate of teams in the Big Twelve, in which everybody else is. Yeah, the thing but. the thing that makes it tough is the two easiest teams you're going to play, John Baylor and Texas Tech, are both on the road, and you're playing mm-hmm. Baylor, you know, next uh, this week, who are desperate for a win. And it's uh, homecoming. Yeah, and well. it's homecoming. <laughs> Wasn't homecoming for OU? Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> wait. Is it maybe it wasn't for you. I don't know. I know. Uh, they, I know. They, they had the most ugliest uniforms on. That that's the one thing I'll take out of there. Oh yeah, I'm sure uh, the announcers hated that. Dark. Yeah. But I mean, you could you could not even see the numbers on on their jerseys. It it was really yeah. difficult. Ku of course had to just come out wear the same uniforms. I do like the helmet, uh, but everything else. Those pants were awful. But that look like kid. That's like a kid drum. drum yeah. It looks like I drew that the KU on this. It just like, it's so uninspired. Oh my God. Speaking of homecoming. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously you went to Manhattan to high John who are probably the best football team in the state right now. Uh-huh. Congrats. I'm at, at good old Newton high school. Our homecoming was always against Salina or Salina South or like Eisenhower or something. Cause they suck and we suck. So we just had to pick a team that sucked more. So we could at least win on homecoming. So uh, that's that's how everyone's treating KU. Manhattan, um, Manhattan put a put a routing on Lansing, who also sucked. Lansing High School. It was 60, 66, 65 to nothing. Like, oh my ooh, gosh. Gosh, I, some mercy. <laughs> I, since we didn't have a show on Friday, I was like, hey, you know what? I'll just go to I'll just go to the game. And then when it when I just stayed 10 minutes, I was like, okay, I've seen enough. Uh, just decided to go back to my car because I didn't want to freeze my butt off all night. Um, but yeah. Oh man. Okay. I got a couple more notes on KU Oklahoma before we move on. Obviously KU's deep. We've talked about how bad their defense is, but losing Kobe Bryant, probably their best cornerback is not going to help them. Um, I mean, what, what do we think of Jason Bean? Um, Cause you know, he had a great performance second half against TCU um, I think we saw some of the Jason Bean we saw last year. He's a little sloppy. He's not quite as athletic as Jalen Daniels in terms of the running game. Um, he's still a competent quarterback. You know, he's not going to just throw the game away, but he's nowhere near the Jalen Daniels, and he's definitely going to hinder this uh, KU offense going forward. I mean, well, obviously, that that's going to be the major takeaway from a Kansas perspective, like of course, but – KU would have probably not lost to TCU or not lost to Oklahoma if they were able to keep Jalen Daniels. And then to a certain degree, I will, I will give him that. 
but just because you but just because you got your quarterback situation in which both quarterbacks if, if I'm going to have to be honest, KU or may have the best quarterback room in the Big 12, possibly. Same kind of goes alongside with Texas because Hudson Card is also serviceable. But um, de- there's definitely a little bit of a significant difference. Um, Jalen uh, Daniels, a little more conservative, uh, a little more of a scrambler as well. Not as fast as, as Jason Bean from what I've seen, but I could be wrong. Um, I wasn't watching too much of a game yesterday. Um, with that being said, uh, it's just some of the sloppy mistakes that that Bean will make at times. Some of the picks that he'll make. Um, I mean, those are those are costly for Kansas, and especially against a defense that has been absolutely terrible. We've seen throughout the year in which they gave up forty nine to Texas, fifty five to TCU, and forty one to K State. Uh, to start conference play. So um, just, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, there is definitely a significant difference when, when uh, Jalen Daniels is out there without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, let's just end here, John. I mean, KU scored one more point than us against Oklahoma. So they're obviously the better team. Um, now, uh, <laughs> Iowa yeah. State. Do you, do you know what else is better? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, hey, guess, guess what? We gave up 38 points in the first half. Man, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> 700 700 yards john they were uh, not to mention ou was 16 of 21 on third down i don't know what no that's like 65 percent it's a it's a classic big 12 matchup i mean that i'll close i'll close it with that that's a classic big 12 matchup yeah for KU, you're finally getting into these type of games while everybody else is figuring out the three three five defense uh (laughs) wait, wait Is it for three, three, five? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, everybody's figuring for three, three, five. Meanwhile, Kansas is getting into the Cliff Kingsbury phases of football. Oh man! All right. Speaking of the three, three, five, and speaking of classic Big Twelve games, let's talk about Iowa State, Texas. Um, oh, <laughs> John. I mean, first drive of the game. We, you know, Iowa State. We talked about their special teams coming into the K State game. Have a pretty flawless, you know, special teams performance. First drive, blocked punt. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then and then Texas. I don't know if they went three and out, but they missed the field goal off that. It's like, oh my gosh, like, what what are we doing out here? Can we practice our special teams, please? Oh man, I mean, anyway, pretty exciting game. Uh, Xavier Hutchison. The thing I kind of took away from this game, Xavier Hutchison obviously had an electric game again. They go to him all the time. Ten catches, one hundred fifty four yards, but he. He's a great receiver. He's probably going to be playing on Sundays, but the last three games, close games for Iowa state, that were one possession. He made really, really crucial drops Mm -hmm. against KU. He had the touchdown pass. That was probably the toughest of the three. It's somewhat acknowledged, you know, it's understandable that he dropped it, but it's still to give Iowa state the lead. He drops that. I think they have to settle for three and they miss it. Um, He drops the fourth down pass against K state that sealed the game and got a win for us. And then against Texas, he's got a, he's, there's nobody within five yards of him wide open at like the 10 yard line. Um, and he just drops it. And he then dropped it. Oh I mean, my in a 24, 21 game with like two minutes left, you know, that would put Iowa state in perfect position to score, excuse me, but he drops it. And then, you know, Iowa state does Iowa state things. Um, 
with that fumble by Hunter Deckers, which I think was a fumble. I don't know how you feel about the targeting call. Um, at first, at first, I will admit it was. I thought it was a. I thought it was helmet to helmet contact. But at the same time, it. I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think they were able to uh, fully uh, overturn the call. Um, and then on top of that, the ball was like slightly uh, jog, like kind of joggling out of his out of his arm. Uh, so it was going to be lost. But I mean, of course, I mean, this probably the most Iowa State moment. You're going to have the fans <laughs> complaining about the refs. Uh, I mean, and they, Matt they Campbell heard... just, you know, no, just no filter, just blatantly cursing on live television. And here and here's the thing for Iowa State. Could have won the game, but like but like the K-State game, and this is nothing on Xavier Hutchinson. I, I still think he's one of the top wide receivers in the Big 12. He just, I mean, he it's it was first for K-State game, and then it was a Texas game. He just continued to find ways to really just screw things up for Iowa State's offense at the worst time because it looked like we were at Kites when, when we were watching this. Uh, Deckers, it looked as if he caught the ball uh, on the left sideline against K-State. Uh, and then, like like the Iowa State sideline, they had the quick reaction, uh, but then they just had the heads, uh, hands overhead reaction, but surrender Cobra or something like that. But um, just another tough loss for I uh, for Iowa State. I mean, you've got to really be thinking this defense deserves this defense deserves a lot more, and they're yeah. right. I mean, I, I'm. I'm still not completely sold on on Hunter Deckers. They should have gone after the transfer portal for a quarterback this during the uh, blah, during the uh, off season. But he played a little better today than he did against uh, K State. Went 25 of 36, 329 yards, and of course you got Xavier Hutchinson, 10 receptions, 154 yards. So it's not like Iowa State didn't play bad. They just always missed out on any on all the big moments. And then defensively, uh, they, they they finally broke defensively. They gave up 135 yards to Bijan Robinson. Quinn Ewers froze 172 yards, uh, 17 to 26 of, of completion. Um, so a little bit of a disappointing performance by the Iowa State defense. Um, Texas, they were able to capitalize late in the game and uh, I mean, especially especially if you're one of these teams that gets the offense and and scores late in this game, you kind of know. Well, especially I I kind of knew yesterday that the game was won for Texas because I because I knew right when Iowa State had the ball in the final minute or two, they were going to really screw things up. Uh, and that, that Xavier Hutchinson uh, misreception, I mean, the, I mean, it's it's I'm a little surprised he dropped it, but. I mean, that's kind of what you would expect from Iowa State at this point. Uh, so, this an, another another tough loss for the Clones, uh, and this and this confirms now that they will never have a ten win season. Uh, I mean, they're three and four. The best they can finish is eight and four, uh, and their bowl game wouldn't do too much either. So they're going to be they'd be nine and four at best. You'd still be short of a ten win season. Uh, Case Case State could never relate to that. Um, anyways, uh, big one, a bounce back win for Texas. I mean, after, after a dominant performance at Red River, uh, they get Oklahoma state next week. I mean, like we'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk, get into this more, but we're going to know so much about this league 
in the next few weeks because TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas, and K-State, they just, they just, they're just going to go after it. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. But, hey, I mean, John, first of all, I just, I just kind of thought of this. It's a great bye week when KU and Iowa State lose. Oh, Man. that's right. Anyway. But at least, I mean, listen, Matt Campbell's coming out in the post-game press conference. Just, I'm so proud of these guys. You know, I wouldn't have changed it. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it's like, yeah, congratulations on your three moral victories. How about you get a kicker that can make a field goal and you actually learn how to do some special teams and you Dude. learn how to get an offense. Good Lord. Dude, all, he's all he's all about moral victories. You remember the press conference back in 2020 or 2021? Miss this team compete for a Big 12 championship. Uh, I mean, he said, well, possibly, but I don't want to think about that. Uh, I want to focus on being the best, uh, best versions of ourselves, yada, yada, yada. Still hasn't pan out till this day. And yet we're going to see uh, him leave eventually because we <laughs> yeah. know Iowa State should, Iowa State fans should know the reality is that they're never going to get to 10 wins. Uh, they'll never win a big 12 title, uh, anything like that. So, uh, uh, anyways, that's my Iowa State rant for the day. Uh, yeah. Glad I was able to get that out of a out of a way. You know, I will say it's it's weird to think. Kind of, I don't know. Maybe this week at least, Iowa State's probably the worst team in the Big Twelve, and it doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't feel like it. Crazy. I mean, like, the the Big Twelve, like they all, they've always had KU as the, the quote unquote podium team, and what you'll be able to sleepwalk your way in and get get a get a guaranteed win but here's the thing KU is not no longer KU of the past this is a new look KU that they're starting to get competitive I mean they dropped 42 on Oklahoma they beat Iowa State they beat West Virginia so they're up so they're up at, at the top and when you look at the standings you see Iowa State at the bottom and you're also seeing Baylor the defending Big 12 champions at the bottom as well. And you're telling me, like, all right, those those are cakewalk wins. Not at all. I mean, the Big 12 has just so much parity. I mean, it's gonna eat it's gonna eat itself alive over the final few weeks. It's just absolutely insane that we'd be even at this point, seeing Oklahoma struggle, seeing Baylor struggle. Uh, meanwhile, we're seeing teams like KU, K-State, and TCU create chaos. Uh, I mean, dude, I, I'm just absolutely stunned. It's get it's gotten to a point. I shouldn't have used K State as an example. I mean, clearly K State they were gonna they're gonna they're gonna be one of the top contenders for a Big Twelve title. But TCU and Kansas just come out of nowhere. I mean, you. I mean, what was a TCU preseason pick seventh in the Big Twelve? Uh, I mean, that never gonna what are they number seven in the country now yeah <laughs> uh, it, it's just crazy to it's just crazy to think that um with all these little results how close to the game but one this one these two teams can have uh and how far and separated these two teams can be we are at this point because every because every big 12 game is almost like a guarantee one possession game it's just it just boggles my mind. I mean, I, I'm just absolutely amazed by the football we've seen, and it, it, it's going to get even more chaotic. Yeah, it, no, it's definitely going to get a lot more chaotic in the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's go ahead and move on here, John, to uh, the game of the day, second game oh of the day, 
which unfortunately happened at the same time as the game of the day because ESPN is just, they don't want to put the big 12 on prime time, Oklahoma state versus TCU battle of big 12 unbeatens going into this game. Um, Oklahoma state looked like they had it, you know, you're up 24, 13 at halftime, uh, you know, TCU makes a solid comeback. They go to double OT and TCU pulls it out 43 to 40. By the way, I know a lot of people were sweating out this game because they had, um, I believe TCU was four and a half point underdogs. If I'm uh, not mistaken, actually they were five. Oh man. Actually that's they were fun. some of them. Were. Some of them had like four and a half point favorites, actually. So that's pretty brutal. Anyway, point is TCU comes out with the win. They're on top of the big 12. I mean, what a battle, John. Oh my gosh. What a crazy Um, game. Both quarterbacks played really well. Um, You couldn't have asked for a better game. It was, man. I, I mean, I was watching this game all the way through. I didn't have Paramount plus for, to watch Alabama and Tennessee. So I was only able to look up stats for that. So uh, I mean, I was focused on Oklahoma State TCU. Um, I mean, well, quick quick disclaimer. It's a good thing that K-State had a bye just to rest up their players. It's another good thing that, that you can scout on TCU and Oklahoma State as well, considering those are your next two opponents. But, man, this was a fantastic game. Oklahoma State should have won this game. But with that being said, I mean, with 10 with 4 left in the second quarter, they go up 24 to seven and they didn't score another touchdown in regulation. TCU really um, put, put the needle, especially with our offense. Max Duggan got going late. Uh, their offense got a little bit stagnant at times. An issue Mike Gundy blamed uh, on a lack of run support. They carried the ball 41 times, 141 yards. For reference, for, for reference TCU rushed for 5.2, uh, 5.2 yards. Um, so precarious, yeah. The has <laughs> been a long two day. yards. Holy cow! Sorry, well, no, keep like, going, like, well, like I always say, it's it's a long day in the <laughs> yeah. household. Um, but for most of but for most of a season, unlike last season, Oklahoma State's offense pretty much bailed out their defense. But on Saturday, I believe our offensive coordinator, his name is Casey Dunn. His group kept putting the Oklahoma State defense on the field, and they just got exhausted. Derek Mason's group was bound to spring a leak at some point, and TCU eventually uh, really took the game control uh, with Max Duggan, uh, Quentin Johnston. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Quentin my gosh. Johnson. I mean, I was terrified <laughs> of him seeing, uh, seeing – just seeing him ball out against Kansas. I try to warn you on the show how loaded – uh, how loaded he is i mean he is just absolutely he, he is what lethal man i mean ugh, i just can't get enough of talking about him he he just played unbelievably well matt uh I'll, I'll touch on some of the stats for duggan uh he made his 34 career start completed 23 of his 40 passes for 286 yards two touchdowns with no interceptions he added 57 rushing yards on 11 carries as well. Quentin Johnson, uh, he had a team best eight receptions for 180 yards, including a 25-yard touchdown uh, for his second straight 100 game and seventh of his career. Man, I mean, he is just unbelievable. And just kind of an interesting fact to kind of wrap up this little uh, conversation, TCU has now scored uh, 
let me see. Uh, what, when was this? Uh, TCU scored for the 373rd consecutive game, the second longest streak in NCAA history. Florida has Florida has 430 games in which they scored touchdown. That was that started back from in 1988. So I don't know. I, I mean, I just kind of ran out of stuff to talk about from TCU. Uh, I, I will touch on this as well. Um, there were some rumors and and all that Oklahoma State. It looked as if they were going to be without Spencer Sanders uh, hitting in hitting into the contest, but he he played. He but Bear is starting to become some concerns with the shoulders, uh, and if if there's the case in which he's going to be missing any time, I mean, they, Oklahoma State would likely have to uh, force have to be forced to turn to Gunnar Gundy, Mike Gundy's son, be the true freshman, and which is not an ideal situation for Oklahoma State. Uh, especially given the amount of experience that Sanders brings to the table for Oklahoma State. Um, it's, it'll be something to keep an eye on moving forward and could be really something that has an impact on the Big 12 race going forward. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the Big 12 race, I think it's going to be pretty much decided, not decided, but it's going to be people are going to start locking in their spots for Arlington here in these next couple of weeks because you've obviously got K-State and TCU, Battle of Unbeatens in the Big 12. Oklahoma State is playing Texas. And then the next week, K-State plays Oklahoma State. So, I mean, when it comes to tiebreakers, these are going to be some really important games. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this weekend this weekend is going gonna, is gonna to really be like the start of the warfare between what really is, what really is considered the top four teams in the Big 12 at this point. I mean, uh, l- let me take a look at this. Yeah, here, can I go uh, ahead and jump in here? Because I mentioned what, you know. Um, yeah, go ahead. TCU, K-State, Oklahoma State up coming up next. Texas, who already has one loss in the Big 12 to Texas Tech, which it looks like is really going to come back to haunt them. Because, I mean, their schedule is brutal, John. At Oklahoma State, at K-State, and then TCU at home. All um, They get a bye week in between uh, Oklahoma State and K-State. But, I mean, yeah. still, that is a brutal three games. You know, I mean, who knows what KU is going to be like, um, you know, in Lawrence on November 19th. So, you never know. But, um, I mean, t- t- uh, Texas is really going to have to pop off with Q- Quinn yours if they want to get to Arlington. But um, point being, I mean, this is going to be an exciting couple of weeks for the Big 12. Um, and we're, I mean, uh, is this the spot to talk about it, John, if we think we can get game day in a couple of weeks for Oklahoma State in Manhattan? Because, I mean, if I we, guess can, we be- can. I, I guess we can touch on this real quickly. Um, so it, it's, it's legitimate. I mean, I think it kind of took a shot this weekend because they lost to TCU. Um, a loss to Texas probably, uh, doesn't help, uh, this weekend for, for game day chances to come to Manhattan from an Oklahoma state perspective. But I mean, I looked at some of the games, the, the, the only two games I'd be kind of looking out for is Ohio state, Penn state. Like that's, that's the number one cheap cheap game i'd be concerned about yeah if syracuse beats clemson syracuse hosts notre dame the following week in which game day could go to could go to the carrier dome for that but um but mainly the the number one concern would be ohio state and penn state but um i mean thinking about how big of an opportunity it would be for k-state and oklahoma state to not not only just get build up some more reputations for themselves but again building up on what has been a successful season so far with the big 12 i mean they already went to lawrence um i mean they went to lawrence 
for KU and TCU and bail down on Texas and Oklahoma um, the, the same week. I mean, ima- imagine thinking that would happen, but it, it, it's possible, man. I mean, I, I would I would love for game day to come. I mean, big noon kickoff is already at Ohio State and Penn State for that week. So, um, I mean, oh, you also have to, you also have to mention the, the TV selections in which K-State and Oklahoma State, they will have it right after the TCU game. So, uh, that'll all be figured out as well. But yep. but it's not uh, going to be primetime ABC. No, it's not going to – yeah, because because we got to just – Michigan, Michigan so we can see Michigan beat Michigan State 34 to 7. Like, man, Herbie's going to have a great time calling that game. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And they, I mean, they already it, did. It, it's literally okay. He, here's the thing that pisses me off the most Fox, I mean, big Fox with their 11 a.m. kickoff games, as well as ESPN and their primetime games. They have no idea what they are doing with their prime time. I mean, with their with their game of a week slots. Uh, okay, they Fox did a great good job this week. They had Michigan and Penn State, two of the top uh, top teams, top three teams in the Big Ten. The weeks before that were just unacceptable. Like Michigan at Indiana, Michigan and Iowa, Michigan and what was it? Michigan and Maryland. Like, oh yeah, jeez. Like what what are we doing here, people? And then ESPN comes out. They say, "Hold my beer." Uh, and then you get Clemson and Florida State for prime time. A Florida State team that barely beat LSU uh, and hasn't done crap throughout the past few years as well. And it, then you, it just infuriates me. It is so frustrating. And then you also had Michigan State, Ohio State. I think a few weeks earlier, which was, I mean, obviously. Oh yeah. We talked about. Have, they, Michigan they State's had, trash. So they had Ohio State and Wisconsin for the mid. Oh no, they had Wisconsin and Ohio State for the uh, for the week uh, uh, for the night for the primetime game. The same week, K State and Oklahoma had their game on primetime as well. In which uh, element, K State lost to Tulane, probably didn't deserve uh, ESPN prime. I mean ABC primetime or anything like that, but. Uh, Wisconsin is terrible at this point. Michigan State's terrible. I mean, just some of these big name brands. I mean, they don't. Some of these big name brands like Nebraska or any any of these big programs, they do not deserve to play the powerhouse uh, on on one of the biggest uh, television sets because how much TV TV numbers will bring in or how much they can fill in the stadium. How about we actually have? two good teams yeah who may not have the biggest fan base but they still have a, a damn good football program how about how about they get some of the recognition that they deserve that's that's a good idea yeah how about how about your primetime tv be representative of the state of college football right now anyways so um like we were talking about before you know in a couple of weeks pretty decent shot at getting game day coming to manhattan but we we obviously both teams kind of have to do their jobs now um, i got for, to be a top 15 matchup now um, i got a question i got i got a question for you like if game day does come to manhattan i was doing this on twitter w- where do you think the ideal spot for college i game was thinking the same be? thing earlier because in 1998 they it did was, it like where were they at they were like football stadium yeah they were like just northeast, outside the football stadium northeast corner of the stadium yeah which obviously the stadium looks a little bit different now um it's, so. it's a little more it's a little more crowded in now like you want to have any like any 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 more space yeah 
and we're doing uh, the like, construction on the stadium on that east parking lot so that makes you know it's not a great look um, um i mean you'll probably have to do it outside of of a sporting complex unless if you're able to somehow get inside the football stadium i just don't see how that's just gonna work what about at tanners <laughs> i'm kidding i mean do you want do you want to mention it blake uh well <laughs> i mean well we hopefully we'll be there on saturday yeah <laughs> um but uh Oh my uh, God. I, I was I was looking at K State man on Twitter. I mean, he put out some options. Uh, Anderson Lawn right now is. is oh yeah, is, that's is, that's a great spot. That, that's a good option. It's kind of hilly, uh, but yeah, I mean, if they can find some flat ground, yeah, for sure. He's got the West Side lot as well. The rec, the, the rec fields, huh? No. The rec okay, fields? we shouldn't do it in a parking lot, and, and yeah, not no. Now, we can't I, have like a softball, like a kickball field in the background of college game day. <laughs> And then, and then I tweeted this. Uh, and then I tweeted this out. If construction never existed, I mean, g- game day would be in Aggie, but I mean, that could have been a legitimate shot that game day could have gone to Aggieville. Unfortunately, Morris Street is is a third world country right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess you could also uh, make Points Avenue, uh, downtown Manhattan. I think that I think that could be a pretty serviceable option, but it's just crammed in in there as well. Um, but they, but they will get the Manhattan Brewing Company opened up early, so I guess that's, a, I guess that's a positive you can take out of it as well. Um, so I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's going to be pretty difficult to find a spot, but I, I'd probably go Anderson Lawn as my number one choice. I would agree, Anderson Lawn is definitely the number one choice. But um, again, again, if we want to get game day, we got to do our job. Um, I will mention, uh, we already mentioned Ohio State, Penn State, um, Kentucky, Tennessee is definitely another one that they might, although they wouldn't actually, they wouldn't go to Knoxville two times in like three weeks. No, that would be no, weird. They, no, they went, they went to, they went, they already went to Knoxville twice this year. When did they go before? Tennessee and Florida a few weeks oh, they, back. Yeah. So they're not going three times then. So it's only Ohio state, Penn state, um, which I mean, big noon kickoffs already obviously going to be there. Um, so I don't know if college game day wants to compete with that. Um, and there's not really anything else. Like, I mean, you mentioned the uh, Notre Dame Syracuse, not really a whole lot else. Um, unless they want to go to Michigan State, Michigan. So, no, no. <laughs> and the Notre Dame Syracuse game took a colossal hit. Notre Dame looked terrible. They looked at, they looked horrible. They looked horrible against Stanford. I mean, Stan, Stanford was giving up 20 to 30 plus points against, against all the other Pac 12 teams. They haven't won a power five game in forever. Uh, and the next thing you know, they shut Notre Dame down to what is it like 13 points? Boy, Dylan Edwards better be loving his decision. And then, well, and then also another four star running back committed to Notre Dame. So it's uh-huh. a tough look yeah. for him. Tough look for him. You, you hate to see it. So, uh, what what see are your it. thoughts? If he were to hypothetically, just hypothetically, were to decommit, would you? I feel to me, I feel like the bridge has been burnt. Like, We've seen his character and kind of, you know, I feel like once you break that trust and that loyalty, especially with a fan base like K-State, that's, you know, is so put a big emphasis on being a family. I feel like just, you know, I think the bridge is burnt. I don't really want Dylan Edwards at K-State. If we can just, you know, put our effort into John Randall Jr. That's, that's all I care about, honestly. I mean, the, but the thing that, that's, the thing that's, uh, that you have to put in control to consideration with Dylan Edwards is that he wants all the attention in the world. Like I I've seen, I've seen like all the tweets already, just all, just all the surrounding stuff. Like he, he all he wants is, but 
the attention and he could have gone in at Notre Dame rather than K-State. He desperately wanted at Oklahoma, uh, but Oklahoma brought in another running back as well. He didn't want to have to deal with that, so he decided to choose his verbal commitment and bring everybody down to Wichita just to just to wear a hat uh, and decide to keep on looking for other colleges and all. So, I mean, I mean, decisions are, are, are decisions. I mean, you can't you can't really uh, uh, can't really. I mean, for for uh, how should I word this for for a typical recruit like you, if you're if you want to decommit and choose somewhere else, like I mean, K-State would be would be the type of school to do it, but. Uh, I mean, K-State Twitter just went all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'll just, I'll just kind of lay it out right there. I mean, my gosh, uh, you, you, this is what happens when you make K-State Twitter pissed off. Uh, <laughs> I mean, email Twitter is, is email Twitter is, is just, it's, a, I'll put, let me, can I put it this way, John? Yeah, go, They're go great. They're, it's great to have if you're, you know, if you're an ally, but if you're an enemy, it's, you got a tough day coming ahead of you. <laughs> If you're a Texas Tech fan, you dodged a bullet. If you're yeah. anybody else in the Big 12, nah. panic. Well, I guess Oklahoma State's all right, too. But, it, but you, you know, there, there's going to be some serious stakes on that game. So I think it's going to get tense. I mean, not I mean, not as serious as what happened this weekend. I mean, if, if you want to touch on, on the games, on some of the other games real quickly, because I, I, I kind of want to touch on Tennessee and Alabama. Oh, of course. Yeah, we got it. I mean, that's the most that was the game, probably the game of the year. Oh my gosh! Send chill shivers down my spine, dude. Holy that is... crap! That was the game of the century. Not only proving that Alabama's fraudulent defensively, but it proves that the revival of Tennessee football is real. But the hot, the but most of my success they've had, but uh, up to this point was back in 1998. That's pretty. Yep pretty coincidental if you ask me uh i mean hendon hooker went off uh, 21 for 30 for 385 yards that is absurd five touchdowns uh and then uh hyatt well their, their wide receiver dude i mean what like what was it he had six catches for 207 yards like what like what what was this i mean on top of that Alabama had a season high 17 penalties for 130 yards. Holy cow. I mean, if you want to talk about the, the opposite of a Nick Saban uh, managed coach, a well-coached team. I mean, that, that is, I mean, that, that is starting to be a little bit concerning for Alabama because that, that is not the Alabama we are known to seeing. And I mean, even for last week as well, they barely, they barely beat a terrible Texas A&M team. And then the next week, Tennessee just lights them up offensively. Will Anderson, he was only out there, he was only out there once and had two tackles. That was really disappointing. Um, but I mean, that was a great game. I mean, it, when the field goal, when the field goal was good, the fans start storming the field. The CBS broadcast, like from the helicopter, or from the or or maybe it was a, like a Goodyear blimp or something. I don't yeah, know. I don't know what it is. Uh, but they had a fantastic view of the stadium with the fireworks and all that. I mean, talk about a game day atmosphere. Like, I mean, I, I, I mean, K State has a fantastic game day atmosphere. Don't get me wrong. But Tennessee, I mean, 
Tennessee the, is just the South, man. They just it's, it's just it's different. Crazy. Like, I mean, well, especially for Tennessee, because they were doing so many shenanigans afterwards. Like they stole they stole turf off the field. They took the goalpost down to the Tennessee River, just all that stuff. I mean, dude, I, I mean, I've never seen a fan basically go this crazy. And then on top, and then as well, I have to mention this. Tennessee, Tennessee was to the point where they had to start a GoFundMe account uh, for a field goal post <laughs> before their, before this weekend's matchup against UT Martin, which oh, I guess I- is which I guess is a good opponent for, for a bounce back. I don't game. think they need the field goal post against UT Martin. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, that's I mean, it. You can, you can go to Nashville or and play your game there. I, I don't Yeah. Care. Or I don't, I just don't think they need to, I don't think they need a field goal post. I think if they just score a touchdown, they can just go for two and like, yeah. they'll, I mean, what a, what a scheduling job by Tennessee, by the way, to play Alabama. And then you play UT Martin, which is huge. Cause then you've got Kentucky and Georgia and then you, and then you're cruising the rest of the way, you know, but so. you got Georgia, you got Georgia and Athens too, man. That that's going to be a game. That's going to be fun. Oh my and gosh. And then, man, I'll, man, we can wrap up the first segment after this, if, if you like to, but uh, USC and Utah, holy moly. I mean, talk about the, the perfect recap for for college football for fantastic college football weekend uh cam rising but utah quarterback he threw for 415 yards ran for three touchdowns and scampered up the middle for a go-ahead two-point conversion uh i mean i mean utah had a lot of balls they had a lot of balls to really go for the two-point conversion but kyle winningham uh gets a big win especially on a night where they were honoring uh uh, two of their fallen players. Uh, uh, I can't remember their names, but they were the number twenty-two. Um, so it was the game was mostly for them, but it was a fun game. Uh, Caleb Williams, he he would he played well too. Three hundred eighty-one yards, five touchdowns. Mm. Uh, man, I mean, but the reactions to everybody like on the field after that game. I mean, that was like a movie. That was like a movie. It was it was crazy. I mean, it, it was just another great game to cap off possibly the best college football weekend we've seen in a long, long time. <laughs> and it feels – and it's so funny because I think week two maybe we talked about how crazy college football – that college football weekend was. I think oh, just it's the greatest sport in the world. Nobody can change my mind. Now, um, I think as a, you know, K-State sports, Big 12 uh, pod, I think the thing we can take away from this, this is a big win for the Big 12. Because mm-hmm. USC was the main contender in the Pac-12 to make a playoff spot, they're out. Next up would be UCLA, but they're playing Oregon, which is going to be that's going to be a really tough game. Game day is there this week. Um, obviously, we don't want TCU to win out, but I think if TCU did win out, they would have a really strong. They, I think they would pretty much. I, you'd think they'd be guaranteed to make the playoff, but who knows with Clemson? Um, that that would be an interesting conversation if that were to happen down the road. Well, take this as well from Pac-12 slant. I think the Pac-12 fan bases <coughs> uh, in the media, they're a little more thrilled to see Utah beat USC. I mean, why why would you be thrilled to see two yeah. Pac-12 members who are bolting from the Big Ten make the playoff? Uh, yeah, in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, I I, I wouldn't understand that. I I wouldn't want to see Oklahoma be in the playoff or and losing the first round like they always do. 
I don't want to see Texas in there either. So I don't know. I think, I mean, it's still, it's still a lot has to be decided with the Pac-12. Still a lot, of, a lot has to be decided with the Big 12 as well. Um, my, my concern is, I mean, you're, Clemson's probably going to get into the playoffs as well. You're probably going to have either two SEC or two Big 10 teams either way. Will the Big 12 be able to manage to get a team into the playoff now? I just don't see it. The Big 12 is just... I don't think a one-loss team, well, one-loss Big 12 team can make the playoff. I think a one-loss Clemson team, depending on what would happen, you know, um, but I think they would, or, you know, a Michigan or somebody like that would get in over a one-loss Big 12 team. The only the only case in which it was realistic was if Texas didn't lose to Alabama or Texas Tech. If they, if they lost one of those games but beat the other, but won the other game, I mean, Texas could... Yeah, that's the only realistic shot I could see of making the playoffs because of that big brand name. Like if K-State already has one loss and everybody else uh, has one loss and, and remains undefeated, um, they're probably going to, they're probably going to go for a school not named K-State or some, or something like that, which is a harsh reality. But at the same time, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I can't really describe, describe it, but it's a, it's a little bit disappointing. Yeah, it's just it's a kind of a sad reality for the Big 12, but I think it's something that we're kind of used to. You know, we were all there in 2014. Um, yeah, 2014. Yeah. Taylor. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It just happens to, you know, college football is a business at, you know, at some point, you know, I mean, it's, so. it, it's, it's a good thing. We're seeing an expanded playoff um, possibly by 2024, if not 2026. <clears throat> Man, I've been talking a lot today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's a great thing we're seeing um, the playoff expand. I mean, it's going to give a lot of teams in the Big 12 and the Pac-12 more opportunities. But at the same time, the SEC and the Big 10, they're going to have three or four more teams into the playoffs as well. So, uh, I, I mean, I guess that's a good thing if you want if you want your team into the playoff, but kind of a bad thing that you're going to be overshadowed by by a lot of teams from the SEC and the Big 10. I think it's still a good thing. I feel it's an opportunity to create parity. Um, and, you know, I mean, I still think the better team in college football usually wins most of the time, but um, and, we've been talking for, Oh, go ahead, John. And Oh, oh suck. Dang. I know how much you want to end this one, but, but, um, <laughs> but, but I'll speak to this on a big 12 perspective. The big 10 only has Ohio state, Michigan, and Penn state and nobody else. Like, I mean, Illinois is six and one, but they played nobody. Um, the, I mean, look how deep a Big 12 is. I mean, you can't tell me Oklahoma State, TCU, K-State, and Texas, all four of those teams, I mean, if you want to throw somebody else in there as well, you can't tell me that those four teams can make a better case than a lot of the Big 10 teams. I mean, I'm, I'm looking more towards the Big 10 because besides Ohio State and Michigan, Penn State, Penn State looked terrible on defense. I mean, Minnesota broke down. I, I think Tanner Morgan's out for the season. Um, Nebraska still Nebraska. They're still hard garbage. I mean, they're to the Big Ten West is to the point where they have to have Illinois in the Big Ten championship. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but but the Big Twelve is far more deeper. They should have they should have all four of those teams, in my opinion, in the top fifteen. In the top fifteen, maybe not Texas, but everybody else. Deserves to be in the top 15. Um, but I mean, it just comes to show you the Big 12, 
it's not the best conference. It is deep. We still got a lot of football to be played. Yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be a fun, <clears throat> excuse me, a fun hypothetical scenario to throw any of these team, any of these bottom half of the Big Twelve teams into the Big Ten West and see what could happen. I mean, I could see Iowa State having a shot. <laughs> you know, they'd have to get lucky, but you know, with their defense and you know, Hunter Deckers can occasionally do something. You know, <laughs> just throw themselves into the Big Ten title game, winning the Big Ten West. Uh, yeah, it's just totally insane. Um, so that, that was, we've talked a while for about college football here, John, um, let's get to some K-State sports. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk, uh, K-State volleyball. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but they lost, um, uh, they got swept against, um, Texas and Austin on Wednesday. Not a huge surprise. Um, you know, Texas is the best team in college volleyball, but let's talk about this game against TCU on Saturday. Um, Really tough. You know, when you go up two sets to nothing in the Big 12, you got to finish the job. And they didn't. They got reverse swept. They got dominated in the fifth set, 15 to five. Um, you know, still good performances from Elena Baca and Aliyah Carter, like we would expect, but just really, really disappointing. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure you can add some more insight to this, John, but um, it's looking like the our tournament chances are kind of definitely slipping away from us. It's it's looking very gloom at this point. I mean, in the first two sets, the serve and pass game was significantly significantly better early on in the match than it has over the past few weeks. But <clears throat> for whatever reason, but K State just continues to shut down in the third and fourth set. And, and, and I mean, we're just kind of seeing we're just kind of seeing this pattern. K State. I mean, the Missouri game comes into mind, in which K State had an early two zero lead. Missouri. Uh, responds with two straight games, lose, lost that one. Uh, then, then, then the Rice game a few weeks back as well. They came back and won. And then you look at some of those fifth sets in which they were not even close. They were not even close at all. KU, KU dominated a fifth set. I think Rice kind of dominated the fifth set early on. I'm in TCU this week. So, I mean, it, it's just another disappointing performance. I mean, and late, late in the game, kudos to TCU. They put a lot of pressure on Elena Baca on the serve receive. Um, but K-State really needs to focus on what they can do to prepare for their sakes because their mental parts and pieces are extremely important. And we've seen in the past that the team chemistry at times has not been there. Um, just a lot of miscommunication from the players. I mean, they're going to continue to iron out the details and attack those on a daily basis, but – I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm I'm not gonna try and get into do too much of a too much into the details, but um, we we've seen over the past few years, K State has not performed to everybody's expectations lately, and part of that has to do with mainly K State just finding ways to not not lose to not lose to some of these teams. I mean, granted, some of these teams have gotten a lot better as time has passed, but um, it's been really disappointing over the past few years. K-State made the NCAA tournament in 20, I mean, last season, but they got, they got smacked at, smacked by Florida State in the first round. Um, but it's been, it's been pretty disappointing lately. Um, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta start winning all, all these big games. I mean, they're starting to slip by. Uh, you got Baylor at home this Saturday. Uh, I mean, you you go to Oklahoma on Wednesday. Um, we we can touch on that real quickly, but uh, you got Baylor at home on Saturday. But but you, you're starting to see a lot of these big games. 
uh, just completely slipped, not the weight one to go. I mean, on top of that, you got teams like TCU and Texas Tech, and, game, and which games that are winnable for K-State, um, but just continue to find ways to slip up. So uh, I don't know, uh, just just a little bit disappointing, and ho- hopefully it works out late in the season. Um, but it, t- time will tell. But not it's not it's not looking good too far, and um, I I don't know I, I don't know it, it's yeah that's all I got to say on that. No, that's that's I think that's extremely well said, John. Um, oh, uh, I'll, I'll add add this to uh, <laughs> uh, I'll add this to it as well. They. Uh, TCU had 10 service aces, aces as well, which is the highest uh, of any of the Wildcats wow. uh, that have given up. Uh, um, so it's, I don't know, like it, it's been a little bit disappointing from a volleyball, from a volleyball perspective. They were going to come in possibly as, as a team that may have not contend for a big 12 title, but uh, w- should have been really an NCAA consideration at this point, but um it, it's not looking promising at this point yeah i mean i mean just looking at the stats here i mean you win the airs you know 27 tcu airs to 18 by k-state you have way more blocks i mean 18 to 4 in favor of k-state holy cow and you're hitting really well in the first two sets but then it goes way down in the third fourth and you're hitting you know negative 200 basically in the fifth which is just i mean unacceptable you know they drop to 11 and 8 2 and 4 in conference play and it doesn't get any easier um near the end john you still got to play baylor twice and you got to play texas at home and you got to play at ku as well yeah you got to play at ku as well which is going to be tough there's a lot of tough games um so it's 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 gonna be tough sledding um in the home stretch for this volleyball team road games in the big 12 are very difficult. I mean, West Virginia, Morgantown, that's always a tough trip. I mean, K-State got the win out of there, but um, hit, uh, in, over the past recent years, uh, they've struggled in Norman. They've struggled in Lawrence. Uh, they, they, b- before last year, they haven't beaten Iowa State in Ames since 2007. Um, and then Waco has been pretty much just uh, really uh, uh, just another difficult place. So. I mean, still a lot of games to go, but it's not looking promising. That's all I can say. Yeah. I mean, I will say um, this morning I was um, looking at um, our, some of our videographer for volleyball, Max, his, his footage from uh, the Texas game in Austin, man, that looks like a really cool atmosphere. I mean, that makes me really excited for the K state volleyball arena that's going to be built. Cause yep. I mean, the, it's, you know, it's a, it's a lot smaller than a basketball arena and the, and the fans are just like, they're right there. They're in the action, the band at the Texas game. I mean, they're like, right. You know, they're like 10 feet away from the net. They're just in your face. It seems like such a cool atmosphere. Um, and you know, the, on all the, you know, the, um, the girls on the volleyball team, they bring so much energy and I think the crowd feeds off of that and then it kind of reciprocates and it's a really cool atmosphere, but uh, anyway, yeah, back to you know k-state here it's gotta be you know you gotta get some wins against some really good teams if you want to you know compete uh, for uh you know a tournament spot um, let's move on to soccer john um, there we go <laughs> a little bit happier uh for this one tough <clears throat> loss to texas tech on thursday um it's kind of been a similar storyline for a lot of the games um you know we're the worst offense in the big 12 on soccer um, the opportunities have been there, just haven't been able to capitalize done well on defense. You know, you get a, get a win against Baylor tough loss to Texas tech, but on Sunday against OU, 
get a two to one victory. Um, this was probably one of the most entertaining soccer games um, we I've seen at K State so far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was there was some chippiness. There were a few goals. I mean, there was you know, it was a a really physical game, really entertaining, and it was it was so cool to see K State come out with the win. It was it was a really good performance um, down the stretch. You know, K State's uh, late in the second half, both teams were kind of playing desperate. And in, in, in their own ways, K-State wanted to make sure Oklahoma wasn't going to capitalize late any, on any goals except for one and which could have been questioned as a foul or anything like that or offsides offside or something like that. I, I can't necessarily remember what led to the Oklahoma goal in the, at that point, but um, it, was just, it was just a really tight physical matchup in which we've, we've talked about a lot uh, from a soccer perspective, but man, like it, they were just going at it. A lot of card, yellow cards would be, were being thrown, a lot of fouls, particularly on Oklahoma. Um, there were hard fouls, too. You know, Alina Wehrmeyer got in the face of an Oklahoma yeah. player. There's a little skirmish that broke oh out. My gosh. Nothing I, too physical, I, but man. Did anybody, did anybody really expect to see a soccer feud happening? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, unless if it's like pro soccer, I, I mean, you won't see that too much from. Uh, from Boozer Family Park, but um, man, Warren Meyer got she. I mean, she was getting up in everybody's grill. Oh, she's got their back. I mean, I think it was just you know to let them know she's like I'm here. You know, she's like Patrick Mahomes. She's like I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. So, so. That's right. Oh man, happy loss to the Bills. Uh, <laughs> both, both teams. <laughs> let's let's stay on topic. Let's stay on topic. I'm sorry. I had I had to. I had to. Oh my uh, gosh. Both uh but both teams frankly frank, uh, frantically tried to gain possession at and added goal to Ledger over the last nine minutes, but K-State was able to hold Oklahoma back to and uh collect a big win. And and looking at the Big 12 race, I believe it's a tie at fifth right now, but you got you got you're hitting into the home run stretch now. You got KU on what was it, Thursday or Friday? I think Friday. they KU on Friday, okay. Get KU on Friday. If you get a, if you beat KU, you pretty much solidify yourself into the Big 12 tournament. A loss, I mean, it's a must win in Morgantown. Uh, I believe that final Sunday as well. So, got two very important games coming up. It would be a monumental um, moment in the program's history if they were able to get a win. Um, you know, get a result here against KU or I or West Virginia, excuse me, and make the Big 12 tournament because they were really close last year and they weren't able to make. And I know that was really disappointing, especially, you know, for some of the seniors, you know, Brooklyn ends everything. She, you know, she's such a huge part of the program and laying the foundation for it and everything she did and for her not to get to, you know, play some extra games and go to the big 12 tournament um, was definitely disappointing, but um, you know, you had to really like what you see, you saw on Sunday from the team. I think they were starting, you know, Kaylee Thornhill's goal was magnificent on the left foot. Um, I will say for Oklahoma, they made a lot of mistakes. I mean, the reason they were just missing passes, losing 50-50 balls, um, turned the ball over all over the place. I'm not a soccer expert or anything, but I mean, how Sophie Harlan scored that first goal was on just a simple, you know, I think it was a steal from K-State just on a simple mistake by Oklahoma, which led to, you know, an open field for Ada Anderson, who laid it off to Sophie Harlan. So, um, able to capitalize on the mistakes. The defense is still, I mean, the defense is still the strong suit of this team with people like Kenzie Gillespie, you know, Elena Wehrmeyer, who's, you know, setting all kinds of records at K-State. 
Um, so, I mean, you know, still going in the right direction, really hope they can make the big 12 tournament. And, and really not only are you getting a lot of great play from some of the older players on the team, but the younger players, uh, they're, they're highly efficient. They're, I mean, they're just bringing a lot of physicality to the field. Um, and they're, and, they're, and for the most part, they're energetic early on and they just continue to keep on fighting, uh, no matter how much adversity is being put on them. So, uh, big win. Uh, over Oklahoma, um, yeah, pretty much. And we'll see what happens with KU on Friday. It's going to have massive implications in the, uh, with the Big 12 tournament, uh, with the Big 12 tournament on the line. Yeah, and with that, um, we've covered, you know, K-State's. Uh, actually, wait, wait, hang on, Blake. I, I, I got to do a special shout-out uh, okay. really uh, to the K-State men's golf team. Oh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Four two to zero victory over number twenty one Texas. That's number eighteen K State men's golf undefeated by ways. They just continue to keep on winning. They're playing tomorrow morning against number one Texas Tech, and then they'll have an afternoon match against TCU tomorrow. So if K State's able to beat these two, if K State's able to win, man, I mean K State men's golf out of all teams will be getting a lot of spotlight from Ema Twitter. That would be so awesome. You know, everybody loves golf. I mean, oh man, if we, yeah, if we could do some, get, raise some hell in the golf game, that would be absolutely awesome. So thank you for shouting them out, John. Apologize for missing that. I, I believe it was Will Hopkins who sunk the 40, uh, the 25 foot birdie putt. 25 uh, footer. Holy cow. Yeah. To beat, uh, to beat Texas. That's so awesome. It was, it was a big win, big, big win. And, 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 and any, any win over Texas is absolutely incredible. So uh, horns down as always, Blake, if you want to, if you want to close this thing out. Oh yeah. Horns down. I remember watching the golf national championship um, over the summer, like uh, this year. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's electric. It's going to be the way they do the matchups and how it goes. It can be pretty exciting if it's a close match. Um, yeah. So with that, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to rank the big 12 quarterbacks. And we're back um, from our extremely long talk about but per, very productive talk about college football and k-state non-rev sports now we're here um you know it's the middle of the season um we're here to rank the big 12 quarterbacks um we could have done power rankings for the big 12 but i think it's pretty obvious um, i don't think there's anything too controversial about what i would have said so uh, i think ranking big 12 quarterbacks is a little more difficult um john i'll, I'll go ahead and say this is kind of like a second draft. I'm not fine for sure on these rankings. Uh, I am for sure on these tiers though. Can I give you like my tiers of quarterbacks and see if you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. I think there's like four distinct tiers of big 12 quarterbacks. So at the top, I think, I think Max Duggan and Spencer Sanders are kind of just in their own tier. Um, I don't think anybody's on the same level as them right now, halfway through the season. Would you say that's fair? I'd say that's fair for now. I'd be yeah. looking up for Quinn Ewers to possibly uh, make the move yeah, up. Yeah, that's fair. Lately. Yeah, it's just, you know, I got to see it. You know, I got to see it for a few more games, especially after what he did against Iowa State, which to be fair, you know, everybody sucks against Iowa State because their defense is great. And then you've got this tier of kind of Dylan, you know, like 
Jalen Daniels, Jason Bean slash Jason Bean, the Quinn Ewers, Hudson card, uh, Dylan Gabriel and Adrian Martinez, like those four quarterbacks are kind of, I would say are in kind of the same area. Um, I don't know. I'd probably put Adrian Martinez in his own tier below, like, like below them. I'd put, I'd put Martinez below Quinn Ewers, Max Duggan and Spencer Sanders, but I'd, I'd, I'd either put him in his own tier either that, or I would add uh, Jalen Daniels and Dalen Gabriel on top. The thing, but, but here's the thing with, with, with Kansas and, and to a lesser extent, Texas tech and Texas as well, the quarterback injuries. I mean, we're already in week, week seven of a season. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, we can just cut that out. Uh, I'm not going to cut that out. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going like an hour. I'm not going to search like an hour and a half into this pod and try and find that. So, oh, <laughs> okay. A little rant after a show, but you know what? It is what it is. Um, <laughs> um, so far, we've seen a lot of fantastic rushing, uh, uh, rushing performances from Adrian Martinez. No, tur- no, no turnovers, no interceptions so far that we've seen from him. Um, that 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 we had to be fully concerned about at, at this point. I mean, early on, the week, but but first week, second week, and third week, he was playing a little bit conservative, but <clears throat> he let everything loose from from the Oklahoma game. And since then, he's looked really really good. Um, I mean, I think this kind of goes for Dylan Gabriel's a little bit as well. Didn't see too much offensive spurts early on, but he's starting to get it going. Uh, since the Kansas, I mean, in the Kansas game, like the offense uh, just went completely all, all out on KU. Um, and he had and he had a few weapons to to work with as well with Eric Gray, Theo Weiss, um, may, maybe Mar- did Marvin Mims play in that game as well? I, yeah, I think he did. He did. Okay, I I I I heard that he might have been a little dinged up, but I think um, he at least played a little bit. But I mean, the thing with like he got hurt, right? And he came back and he played against KU. Like of course you're gonna throw for 400 yards and have a great game. So okay. actually, I'll 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 say this then. Probably put Dylan Gabriel and Jalen Daniels in their in their own tier because okay. really those are the heart and soul of both teams' offense. So yeah, thus far and and no disrespect to Jason Bean, I thought he's a fan. yeah I thought he's a great backup, but there's there's been some moments that KU's offense has stalled out. Uh, against Oklahoma with with the interceptions and all that, um, the TCU game in which uh, he took a massive loss and uh, just threw it right to a TCU defender uh, well, uh, for an interception, just stuff like that. But that KU's offense could could have possibly uh, benefited off a little more uh, under Jalen Daniels rather than Jason Bean. I mean, pretty much for Oklahoma, if you don't have Dylan Gabriel, you're pretty much screwed because yeah uh, the offense uh i mean i i mean you're not bringing in general booty which is ac- ac- extremely disappointing uh the actual backup qb is not doing anything either yep. to help you out so so yeah um okay yeah, well pretty much let's just go ahead um i mean i kind of had there i had like two other like small tiers but let's go ahead and get into i don't know what you had for your rankings but uh, we can just start from the bottom, move our way up here, since we've already kind of talked about it. At number ten, um, it's fairly obvious, John. I think we can say it at the same time. You know, one, two, three, hundred Deckers. Hunter Deckers. Hunter Deckers. His it's numbers working. aren't like awful, 
I mean, he's 1,800 passing yards, but, um, I mean, just he just he fails the eye test miserably. Um, just many, many silly throws, many inaccurate throws. Um, you know, John, bef- actually, I do – I did find something here that's actually pretty interesting. I found um, a ranking list of the Big 12 quarterbacks in the preseason. Would you like to hear these? Go ahead. Who do you think is at number 10? Hunter Deckers. No, Hunter Deckers is at nine. What are you doing? Jalen Daniels was at number 10. This is this is Fan right. Nation. Um, oh, wait. Oh, this is from Fan Nation. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> this oh. is one of the first ones that popped up. It was the West Virginia, like <laughs> related of, of uh fan nation. So that's why this list is so bad. I, I was I, I was gonna say if this was your list, I was like, what are you doing? Oh god, no, god like, no. Look, look. I mean, when Jalen Daniels came in, like what the 2020 K State game, he looked pretty serviceable for the most part and serviceable for the 2021 game as well. And then pretty much after that Texas game, he was pretty much the guy who was gonna lead KU to all these games. Meanwhile, Hunter Deckers, yeah, I mean, no. he, looked, he looked a lot better against Texas uh than he has the previous two games. Um, I mean, they, but Iowa State just scored a single touchdown in their last two games. And against Texas, they scored three. Deckers had had a pretty decent game going 329 yards. Um, but uh, but Hunter Deckers just continues to fall flat uh, with an ugly interception in the end zone and a controversial fumble late in the game. I mean, he, he, he did look a little more comfortable on Saturday, but it's still not enough for me to – it's still not enough to convince me to move move him up just yet. Yeah, for this and and then to like just quickly touch a little bit on this preseason list that they had for the quarterback rankings. They had Adrian Martinez at eight, which I mean, wow. I don't know. That's kind of disrespectful, but I it's whatever. Um they had Quinn Ewers at five. They had Spencer Sanders at one, which I mean that's that's fair, I guess. Dylan Gabriel was at two. JT Daniels was at three, which is very interesting. Um, I guess this is a West Virginia site making these rankings so that's why it's so biased um but anyway yeah so hunter deckers is at 10 for our current list halfway through the season um now this nine through seven is kind of i could i'm not really too i think they're all kind of about the same um for my number nine i went with donovan smith and like barrel morton combined um obviously morton had a great game against oklahoma state but um, if you look at the numbers, Donovan Smith has the worst QBR in the Big 12, mm-hmm. and it's not very close. Um, he turns the ball over like crazy. He's not a particularly great quarterback. He's obviously not their playing starter for the season. But um, I had him over number nine over the other two, but it's pretty close. I could go either way. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably go with a combination for the Texas Tech quarterbacks as well. And I, and I think Baron Morton – I think he has a lot of potential uh, under Joey McGuire's new system. I think Donovan Smith, for the most part, I mean, he definitely better than Tyler. So um, I mean, compared to Tyler. So he's, he's definitely um, more of a guy who's going to make a big, big place for Texas tech. But at the same time, uh, you're going to see an interception or two and in which we saw a a few more turnovers than what we expected during the game at K state a a few weeks back. So um, I mean, he got he got dinged up for the Oklahoma State game. Uh, you you bring him Morton into the game, and honestly, at the at this point, it'd probably be foolish to 
not start uh, Baron Morton because yeah. he, he looked he looked pretty good as as far as I'm concerned, but um, a little bit disappointing from Donovan Smith. I mean, after the Texas game, I mean, it looked it looked like Texas that could have could have possibly, I, I, you know, I I take that back. Um, Texas Tech was probably going to be in for a rude awakening after the Texas win. They were just not able to bounce back offensively. Well, actually, twenty scoring twenty seven points against K State's not too bad, but they're, they're going to go to they're going to it's going to be the turnovers that's going to be the the bigger factor when it comes yeah. to QBR ratings, stuff like that. So I, yeah. I, I I'll agree with you. I'll put a combination down there. I just yeah. haven't seen. Excuse me, I man. I just, seen, I, I just haven't seen Baron Morton uh, play a whole lot yet. And then yeah. he, uh, he played well against Oklahoma State, but that might be more of a fluke considering how uh, fraudulent Oklahoma State's defense is. Yeah, so we've got Hunter Deckers and then the combination of the Texas Tech quarterbacks, Donovan Smith and uh, Baron Morton. So um, number eight, number seven, I again, these two I could def- I go back and forth on. Um, uh, Blake Shapin, I put Blake Shapin at eight over JT Daniels. I mean, maybe because they just played each other, you know, but um, Blake Shapin, um, you know, he's my boy. You know, we got the same name, so I was pretty high on him. You know, I really liked what I saw last year, but um, hasn't really done a whole lot this year. Wasn't, you know, pretty disappointing against BYU. Um, you know, hasn't the numbers aren't great. He's not a threat rushing the ball at all. Baylor's really struggled. He doesn't have, you know, to be fair, he doesn't have the same threats in the offensive line that they did last year, but overall pretty disappointing put Blake Shapin at number eight. Yeah. I, I, I put Blake Shapin over at number eight as well. He, he only played a little over one half of football, but I mean, it's not his fault. He went out uh, with an injury against West Virginia, uh, pretty dirty hit. I think, I think it was targeting, but I could be wrong, but he got hit up uh, hard pretty early in the third quarter uh, he had a ball. I mean, the thing that really kind of convinced me to put him at number eight was really the the, the fumble. I mean, Baylor's offensive line just looked all out of sorts. Uh, and then, and that wasn't really their fault. It was mainly Shapin's fault because he wasn't because he saw the pressure. He wasn't able to maintain control of the ball. Uh, lost it in West Virginia. Went all the way back to to score. I mean, he, he he had another great performance. He went 14 of 22 for 326 yards and two touchdowns. But, I mean, similar to Hunter Deckers, you just can't have those those silly mistakes going back to haunt them. And and that 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 the same thing applies to uh, Blake Shapin. Yep, that's why we have him at eight. So we got Hunter Deckers and then Donovan Smith, basically, and then Baron Martin for one game. Blake Shapin, and then finally at number seven, JT Daniels. Again, this nine through seven, Donovan Smith, Blake Shaman, JT Daniels. I think they're all pretty close in their level of badness. I would say JT Daniels is probably the least bad of the three of them. It's not exactly his fault that his defense sucks. But, um, I mean, again, not really a threat. With it. He's a total statue in the pocket. Doesn't even have 10 touchdowns. Um, and, you know, he's on one of the worst teams in the Big 12. So that's why I have him at number seven. Hitting into the season, of course, JT Daniels. Uh, the backup QB previously for Georgia should have probably been the starter over over Stetson Bennett just didn't get the benefit of a doubt because of some injuries decides to go to Morgantown in which I mean for the, for the most part he's he's looked pretty well the thing that's really been it's kind of like Nebraska you have a great quarterback 
who had a lot of potential, but um, you just have some of these factors that aren't that aren't going to go your way in which you have a terrible offensive line throughout the first few weeks of the season. Your wide receivers have complete butterfingers. Um, it, it just wasn't looking too good early on for West Virginia, but JT Daniels, he continues to step up uh, in some of these bigger games. Um, yeah. Uh, he went 24-37, 283 yards, along with one touchdown. Goes with an interception as well, but, you know, for West, for West Virginia, you'll take a win anytime as well. But back to JT Daniels, a little bit, a little bit disappointing uh, under, under Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator uh, who was previously at USC a year ago. Thought things could have really worked out there, but um, ju- just haven't seen it a whole lot from West Virginia. Um, I, I don't know. That's really, that's really the best I can say right there. I, I haven't really, besides the Baylor game, in which I was kind of looking back and forth because I was working for K-State HDTV that night. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't really too focused on West Virginia since the week one game against Pittsburgh. Yeah. They have not really gotten my attention because they pr- I pretty much just accepted them as the worst team in the big 12 and haven't really bothered to take my time with them, which I don't think they're worth my time. So we got Hunter Deckers, Donovan Smith, Blake Shapin, JT Daniels, 10 through 7 right now. Now, Blake this is Shapen. where the list. You forgot to mention Blake Shapin. I thought I said, okay, gosh. Anyway, Hunter Deckers, Donovan Smith, Blake Shapin, JT Daniels, 10 through 7. This is where those starts to get interesting. This 6 mm-hmm. through 3 could go a lot of different ways. Um, there's an argument to be made. Adrian Martinez goes here at 6. Um, I don't know how you're feeling. Um, based on what you've said, I'm starting to kind of rethink my decision here because I've got Quinn Ewers, the combination of Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card at six. Um, it's really tough to rank these because they're all really close. Um, you know, all the you know, the Dylan Gabriel, Adrian Martinez, and then the combination of Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean, along with Quinn Ewers and uh Hudson Card, because I mean they've all shown flashes. But they've all also kind of their their performances are are kind of hindered by the fact that they sucked against Iowa State. Um, so I don't really. Do you agree with Quinn Ewers at six? Well, well, I'll mention Adrian Martinez with the Iowa State performance later on. But if I would have to choose right now, I'm still not completely sold on Dylan Gabriel at at Oklahoma. I mean, I mean, Oklahoma fans they should be thankful. Thankful just to heaven's sakes, they got Dylan Gabriel back uh, because they, I mean, because they needed him to be Kansas. Uh, I mean, after what, what, what we saw from his offense against Texas TCU, um, it was, it was very important for him to come back, um, racked up over 400 passing yards through touchdowns, but um, you know, at, at, at times in which, I'm kind of looking at the K-State and TCU games. That's not been the best performances. He's got a, he had a lot of deep balls at some points, but he wasn't able to connect on, on some of the shorter plays in which they needed the first down yardage as much as they can. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I just man, I mean, you, you are right. It, it is completely tough uh, from one to six to really determine who's yeah. the best quarterback. And the injuries um, really kind of cloud things too. The, the, the injuries, are, yeah, the injuries are what cloud them too. And but the the standings could have probably been a little more. The power, the quarterback power rankings could have been a little more different if we saw him play against Texas 
in the second half against TCU, although that probably wouldn't matter because TCU was yeah gonna gonna absolutely dominate them. But um, I don't know. Just I I just haven't came away besides the KU game with with the best impression so far. I thought I bet well the KU and Nebraska games. I mean he he I mean don't get me wrong he is he is not bad by all means but I think um I think that I mean I just think that the talent play at some of the other schools that we're going to mention is just uh it's just a little bit more talented than what what I've seen so far with Dylan Gabriel that is really interesting so you're gonna know Gabriel at six and 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 I think this kind of goes back towards Jeff Levy as well I mean everybody was expecting him uh, to really get Oklahoma's offense going on the right track but um I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I was expecting Oklahoma to be a lot better offensively than what I'm seeing this season, but, jeez, um, that was a really difficult one for me to decide on. But um, for now, I, I got Dylan Gabriel at number six, but it could, wow. really, it, it, it could change it could change pretty soon. That is interesting. We definitely have some different lists here. Okay, I, I want, who do you have at five then? Do you have viewers at five? I'll probably put yours at five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey. So, okay, that's interesting. Who, who wow. do you have at number five? I, I have the combination of Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean, which partly could be, man, you've got me rethinking my list here. I think you've made some good points. That partly could be my bias. Like, now, now you got me thinking about, about changing it as well. Yeah, but I mean, Jalen Daniels, it's just tough because like he had the best QBR in the country, right? But you have to factor in the competition he played, obviously. And you have to factor in that, you know, he sucked against Iowa State. He sucked more than like other quarterbacks have sucked against Iowa State. He sucked extra bad. He had like 102 yards of total offense. He was really, really bad against Iowa State. The first half of the TCU game was not impressive at all um, when we were expecting a shootout. And then he obviously gets hurt, which is no fault of his own. Um, Jalen or Jason Bean comes in, excuse me. Um, you know, make some really good throws. He had a really good second half. It's made a, you know, a silly mistake that kind of cost him the game. Um, but, and then Jason Bean, you know, he plays well against Oklahoma, but obviously not with, <laughs> not with that defense. Oh my gosh. Um, so five is maybe a little, maybe I'm being biased, but the thing is, John, I was not going to put Jace, uh, J- Jalen Daniels ahead of Adrian Martinez. So, which oh, goes, no, into, I was not either. <laughs> so I have Adrian Martinez at four. Um, I don't know. Is that where you have him? You know, I, I was about to say Quinn yours, but you really changed my mind. I, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to side with you. Okay. Uh, on the Kansas situation. <clears throat> um, Jalen Daniels is pretty much KU football. I mean, yeah, I mean, and for Jason Bean's sake, someone had to be, someone had to kind of bring KU down a little bit. I mean, he, he, he didn't have a worse game. He threw for four touchdown passes against Oklahoma, but it's, it's a, it's his efficiency and accuracy that, that is just continuing to kind of, that's kind of continuing to stall Kansas's offense. And, um, well, I think Daniel, I mean, Jalen Daniels has been a great story so far. Um, I do recall he was about to go to middle Tennessee state before he decided on Kansas. Uh, he looked, I mean, he he has looked fantastic. I mean, at one point he was being considered for a Heisman, but like you like you do like you said, um, you had to bring in some of those opponents into factor. I mean, Iowa State. I mean, you you weren't going to score much on Iowa State's defense. Uh, West Virginia's terrible. 
Duke. Duke is Duke pretty much. Actually, Duke is pretty serviceable, but like Kansas, they don't have a defense either. Um, MNTCU in which, it, like again, like you said, it wasn't it wasn't his fault with the injury and all, um, but it did take a massive step. Back, but that was kind of a different re- reality set up, setting in for KU over the, the next two games. I mean, uh, late, late in the second half against TCU and in, in the Oklahoma game, so. I, I don't think very, I don't think it's been too bad thus far, but just some of the turnovers I've, I've seen so far from Jason Bean. Um, uh, I, I'll, I'll probably have to drop him to fifth. If it, if it was all Jalen Daniels, I'd probably have him in the top three. Yeah, it's just tough. I mean, these these this six through three is really really hard with the injuries and like Adrian Martinez is a tough cookie to kind of crack. Because, I mean, we can't just forget, we can't forget, like, that the two-lane game happened, right? He's obviously yeah. moved on from that. That game was a wake-up call for him. He's obviously gone on to do really great things since that game. But we can't, like, we it still has to be a knock against him. I was tempted to put him at three, but I just couldn't. I think he can get to three eventually, um, which is where I have Dylan Gabriel, which obviously have a bit of a disagreement there. I'll explain why I put him at three um, after this. But, I mean, obviously the 900 passing yards aren't particularly impressive, but Mm -hmm. um, he's last in the big 12 in uh, like EPA on passes, but he's first in the big 12 in EPA on rushes by like a mile. It is not even close. He is definitely the best rushing quarterback in the big 12. Um, And I don't think, I mean, Jalen Daniels is probably second, but obviously, you know, he's, out for who knows how long because it, it, it could be the season but Jalen Daniels thinks it's otherwise I don't know, dude. Um, so um, journalism we, at its finest yeah journalism so you have Dylan Gabriel um, and then Jalen Daniels Jason being at five I I'm gonna go Adrian Martinez at number four as well okay. and then uh, you'll have viewers at three that's interesting I mean I understand it um, I think, I think, I, where, know, I think where you might be flawed is you're going off like potential. I think that's fair for like a preseason, like potential rating. Oh, but I, since he's been hurt so much. And I mean, like putting up 49 points in passing for a ton of yards against OU was impressive, obviously, but it's kind of tainted given what we've seen from OU's defense so far this season. Um, so and then um, let's go ahead and we'll kind of rearrange an official list here. Then now that we've kind of put our heads together, but um, who do you for between Max Duggan and Spencer Sanders? Who do you think? Who do you have at one? I think this past weekend's game really determined how I was going to rank them. And Spencer Sanders for how uh, for how he's doing with some of the shoulder concerns. I thought he played. I thought he still played really well. Sixteen thirty six two hundred forty five and. He's been putting up those numbers throughout the past few weeks now with a real, with a much improved Oklahoma State offense than we've seen before uh, under Spencer Sanders. I mean, he back uh, last year and a year after, he was committing a lot of turnovers to the point in which Shane Ellingworth had to come in. Now this is completely his team. Uh, he's looked a lot better uh, over the past few weeks. Um the offense at, at just it was just mainly the offense at some point. They just completely stalled and it wasn't him. That was completely on the coaches. Um, but nonetheless, he's had a he has, he's had a great season so far. I mean, he's definitely the key player for Oklahoma State to be really successful on the offense. 
but my goodness, was anybody expecting for Max Duggan out of all the quarterbacks to be where he's at the, at this point? Yeah. I mean, who, who would have who thought that Felix and Yudeke Uzama would make a quarterback so improved <laughs> while firing, while firing his former coach? I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty, you're that's welcome. Pretty, but yeah, it's pretty that's much you you're say. welcome. Uh, you can pay I mean, it back by, you know, giving us a win. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. It's so um, but he he's he's had a lot of weapons to work with. Uh, Quentin Johnson, we always keep on mentioning. Keandre Miller, um, with with the rushing with a rushing yardage, but he's able to pile up at times as well. Of the passing game from from Max Duggan looks a lot better than what we've seen in years past. Kind of kind of similar to. It's kind of like a, a polar opposite to Adrian Martinez. He's more of a passing guy. Uh, he's not easy. He'll, he'll get a few rushing yards, a few rushing yards in, in which nothing too bad about that. But that's just kind of my takeaways from from Max Duggan. I mean, we'll we'll get a we'll get a clear look at him uh, yeah. on Friday on Friday's show um, and and Saturday as well during the game. So so you have Duggan at one and then Sanders at two. I've dug in one Sanders at two, but yeah. I, I do want to mention uh, on Adrian Martinez and the Iowa State game. I mean, everybody says that Adrian Martinez had I mean, didn't have a great performance against Iowa State. Chris Kleiman, Chris Kleiman said that was Adrian Martinez's best performance, and I can't necessarily blame him when he when he says that. I mean, I'm I'm just looking at the stats here once again. Um, he won 12 and 19, 246 yards, one reception as well. Um, yeah, Malik Knowles. I mean, he, he should be on this list too, I think. The comment. Yeah, <laughs> Malik Knowles in front of Hunter Deckers. I mean, yeah. he, he, looked, he looked a lot better. Oh, I was, that's, that's, that's who Iowa State should have gone after is quarterback Malik Knowles. Um, but I mean, he, Martinez still looked really good. He went 12 and 19, 246. He was moving the ball down the field. He had the rushing yardage late in the game to really seal the deal. It wasn't. It wasn't on him. I mean, the Iowa State game wasn't on him. It was just a lot of other key con, uh, other key factors that led to K State just not capitalizing uh, when Iowa State struggling on offense. You know, with the missed field goal, Malik Knowles fumble in the end zone. It's stuff like that that you would want to have back, but by no means did Martinez have a bad have a bad game. And really, since the really since the Oklahoma game, he's he has turned everything on. I mean, we we've seen South Dakota, Missouri, and Tulane. We didn't have to see too much from him against South Dakota, and Missouri. I mean, what, well, for the first game it was South Dakota. The second game, there were a lot of elements that were played with the weather, and then the Tulane came. Tulane came game and came didn't work out too well he knew he had to do a lot more uh to to get the win and you know for how fast for how fast he is he is able to really use the run game towards as advantage especially when he sees when he sees an open hole uh between the offensive line and defensive line as well so I don't know. I mean, that was just my my final take on Adrian Martinez. I just didn't. I, I just didn't feel like I didn't make myself clear on, on because because like everybody, they've always said, well, they play bad against Iowa State's defense. But I mean, it just comes to show how good Iowa State's defense is. Yeah. I mean, if we win that game twenty to nine, I think it's a totally different narrative that we're talking about the next day. 
Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, and then uh, I, I really, I totally forgot on our recap to talk about how great Josh Hayes was. He absolutely crushed it that game. Anyway, um, so our our one and two are the same. Our ten through seven are the same. It's just the six through three that are kind of pesky. Um, I think you know, <clears throat> I may have been trying to underplay my bias, and maybe that led to me not wanting to put Adrian Martinez at three. But I think Adrian Martinez, you know, looking at the other competition here, I think he kind of does deserve the three spot. Um, so um, how about this, John? So our 10 through seven are going to be the same. Hunter Deckers, Donovan Smith, Sash Baron Morton, Blake Shape, and JT Daniels. That's 10 through seven. At six, um, I, I, I don't This is going to be quite you know a what? jump. I, I kind of like. Like, like I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. I'll put Jalen Daniels. And Jason Bean at sixth place, so we See, can move Dylan Gabriel up. I was gonna put, I was gonna keep, um, Quinn Ewers at six. I just, I don't know. I feel like we haven't seen a, enough. The Iowa State game was not great. I mean, Oklahoma was cool. I mean, I don't know. I feel like he could easily move up, but I think right now, if we're gonna go based off performance. Like he hasn't played that much. So I think he could easily move up a lot more in the week or two, but I don't know. I just, I feel weird putting Jalen Daniels at six when he, you know, the more I think about it, that does kind of make sense. Gosh, like like I said, this is like a, this is like a second draft when I did these rankings. Because it's not Jalen Daniels. It it was Jason Bean that, that was kind of bringing him down because of some of the dumb decisions that he's made. Yeah. Uh, let me see how he's done against Iowa State, and we can we can go for Baird. 17 of 16, 172 yards against the Cyclone defense, and then rushing. Oh, okay. You know what? Uh, we 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 can we maybe we could put them down. I mean, he had two carries for minus 13 yards. Uh, so I don't so, I don't know. Yeah. So six and five are kind of a toss up. Um, but yeah, J- Jalen Daniels, Quinn Ewers. Um, so Quinn Ewers at six, Jalen Daniels at five. Um, and then I think you've convinced me to be, be a total homer here and Ooh, but what about, do you think, what do you think Dylan Gabriel or Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean then? That's think, a tough, cause think, it's just tough go cause Dylan, they, the injuries it's, I'm going to go Dylan Gabriel. Okay. At over, over, over Jalen Daniels. Okay. So Dylan Gabriel at four. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'll go Dylan okay. Gabriel for, I mean, I, I guess at first I just wasn't completely sold, but first two games of the season between uh, them and UTIP and Kent state, uh, they just did not look good. And, and he looked good for against Nebraska and K state. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, just, I, mean, I just, I just didn't see a whole lot from him, but the Kansas game com, uh, now convinces me. Uh, I mean, because going over 400 yards against a big 12 team is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, to still, I mean, even though KU's defense is bad to throw for 400 yards and 700 yards of total offense is still impressive, no matter who you're playing. Um, So yeah, I think uh, Dylan Gable at four Martinez at three Sanders at two Duggan at one. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, I think this will be a lot easier in a couple of weeks when we see Quinn Ewers and we see Dylan Gabriel more Um, that'll definitely help solidify things. Um, but, and, you know, obviously we'll get a, you know, Jason Bean can prove something, I guess, but yeah, it's, I guess that's our, our list here. I'll go through it one more time. We'll probably put it out on Twitter, see what other people think of it, but 
but Hunter Smith at Hunter Hunter Smith. Gosh, we need to get out of here, John. Hunter Decker's at ten. Donovan Smith at nine. Blake Shapen at eight. JT Daniels at seven, and then um, Quinn Ewers slash Hudson Card at six. Jalen Daniels, Jason Bean at five. Dylan Gabriel at four. Martinez at three, and then Spencer Sanders at two, and Max Duggan being our best quarterback in the Big Twelve. Who K State is going to face this Saturday, and we will talk about it a lot more on our live show. Uh, uh, this Friday at 6 p.m. on Wildcat 91.9. Um, if you're not able to listen to your car, you can get the link when we uh, post that we're going to be going live on our Twitter at shakenblake 785 And uh, make sure if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts to leave a rating uh, and a review because that would be much appreciated. So, John, any final thoughts before we ski-daddle? We're, we're, reach, we're coming in to the infinity gauntlet of the big 12 or double dot double-sided sword of a big 12 it's going to be a lot of fun and i can't wait to talk to you on friday discussing tcu and yeah it'll be a grand old time um uh, we could talk about you know is when you know this is the most important k-state game since when you know we'll try and figure that out on friday but uh before then uh let's go ahead and get out of here john and uh cats by 90 cats by 90 Wait. Wait.